All right, what's up, everyone, and welcome back to the 1960 Plus podcast. My name is Christian. Joining me this week, we got the three of us back in town, or not literally, but you know, figuratively. Uh, we got Saul next to me, live and in person. Saul, how you doing? Yo, what's up, guys? Um, yeah, just excited to talk footy like every week. But yeah, nice. And then we also got Saul, uh, Aldo with us remote. Aldo, how are you doing? How's the week been treating you? Good man, the weekend was good. Um, I saw Super Bowl, saw a halftime show. That was pretty fun. But now, nah, man, good to be actually talking about real football. Exactly. It's good bro. to be back with you guys. We said that last week, man. No one cares about American football. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Real quick though, how bad? How bad do you guys feel for Philly? I mean, brother, the Union made it to the final, lost. The Phillies made it to the final, they lost. The Eagles made it to the Super Bowl, they lost. Damn, bro. I'll be honest. I didn't watch it. <laughs> I just, I don't know if I told y'all, but I just lost a lot of interest for the NFL or American football, however y'all call it. But yeah, I've lost a, a lot of interest for it, so I didn't watch it. Yeah, and the halftime show was mid anyway, so we didn't miss much. Commercials were all right. That's heard, about it. I heard everything sucked about it. The commercials, the, the halftime field. show, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so on to the real football, y'all, the one that only matters. Uh, yeah, we're going to just kick off the show like we do every week with our biggest takeaways. I'll go first. Uh, I feel like this topic of the Super League, it's kind of a topic that gets brought up every single week because there's always new information being put out. But this week, apparently, it was actually a couple weeks ago, but we haven't talked about it yet. There's supposedly a new format, a new structure. So it's going to include, I think, uh, 60 teams. There's going to be several divisions or several different tiers to the Super League. No permanent members like there was in the first proposal, but yeah, maybe the Super League can uh, rear its ugly head again. Uh, me personally, I think y'all know how I feel about this. I I hate it. I mean, if it's if it's not broke, why fix it? I think the structure we have now with the European leagues and the Champions League and Europa League, I mean, it's fine. Why why go in and change it? But yeah, that's my opinion. I mean. Real quick, and y'all want to say anything about that or just move on to the next takeaway? Yeah, I actually got some stuff to say real quick. Um, I'm actually, you know, when it first came out, I wasn't totally against it. I was open to hearing it. And as time moved on and the way um, UEFA, because we got to say UEFA ain't, ain't innocent in all this. They're not. Um, They practically run a monopoly on it. But uh. So yeah, I, I I'm open to it, and as more time has passed, I'm slowly starting to favor the Super League more after seeing what UEFA does and how they. I, in my opinion, I think they voted some stuff in when the Super League first came out. They voted some stuff in because you know everyone was so against the Super League that I think they increased the Champions League teams from like I don't know what they, they increased to some ridiculous number, but practically every team is going to be playing instead of um the usual. Uh, how much do they usually play? Like eight games? 32. No, but like in group stages? Oh, yeah, eight. They, it's going to be like 12, I think, now. And then it, it's just making, it, in my opinion, whatever UEFA voted, and I forgot exactly what it was since it was like a year or two ago, it, it's ruined um, it, it ruined the Champions League, in my opinion. So, And I've seen a lot of people slowly start to start favoring it more, you know? Because the big problem a lot of people had was permanent members. They got rid of that. And a lot of people were like, all right, I'm willing to open it or be open be more open to it but i think the main thing it is is um it's meant to replace the champions league and the europa what on all those leagues but the main thing the clubs want you know barca real madrid juventus what all these other clubs that signed up for it want is the money because you know 
right now uh they earn a lot of money the clubs but they only see a fraction of it just for instance you know this is considered the most prestigious tournament and premier league champion wins more money than um than the champions league champion gets throughout the whole thing so um that what the what the super league practically wants to do how i see it is eliminate the middleman which is uefa and you know keep the majority of profits to themselves that's how i see it you know people can be like of course the first thing they point out is like barca's broke that's why they want it but it's just how i see it i mean it, it is their right uefa is a middleman that they don't really need in my opinion um so you know they want to get more money and i see nothing wrong with that in my opinion uh but yeah that's how i see it you got anything to say all or should we move on to your takeaway no, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I don't know much about <clears throat> about that. I heard a little bit about it, but I don't know much to really have an opinion on it. So I'm gonna move forward. And basically, my takeaway is with one of those, you know, Super League clubs uh, that were in there in those chats, and it was you know Manchester United with their selling process. The deadline's coming up, you know, in February 17th. But the Glazers still haven't really decided if they're really selling the club, uh, like a full-on sell, or if they're just trying to get, you know, a big investor. And that's really important for the for these bidders. You know, they really want to know what they're what they're gonna what they're gonna do, what their plans are. So that's yet to be seen. Um, but soon enough, there's gonna be an answer, and we United might have new owners. Yeah, and we saw how new ownership for Newcastle worked out. So, I mean, United's a historic club with a lot of history, and sky's the limit for them if they get new rich owners. But I guess only time will tell. And on to Saul's takeaway, which I think we've been wanting to talk about for a while, and we're going to actually spend a little bit of time of it on it. So what you got for us, Saul? Yo, big one. You know, maybe not in the whole world, but for us as uh, Mexicans, but... Um it's that Diego Coca was officially announced as uh, Mexico's new coach, and I, for one, gotta say I'm um, I'm distraught. If I'm being honest, I think uh, I think I'm actually. It sounds cheesy to say it, but I'm actually take some time away from La Selección. I'm a I'm gonna start support. I'm a, I'm gonna stop supporting them. You know, I think uh, I'm finally done with them. You know, my dad had always told me all they're gonna give you is disappointments, and you know it took him. A long time he was well into his 50s still supporting them and i think he finally learned his lesson but i'm gonna learn from him and i'm gonna hop off early i'm not uh i'm done supporting this team you know i'm turning my back as they say and yeah i'm just not gonna be going to games not watching their games not nothing i'm just i'm just done with them this this was you know i know there's a lot the problems go a lot deeper than coach but this was just this was just it was just political play at its best i mean we'll go more depth into it in a bit but yeah i'm just like disappointed like if there's a worse word than disappointed that's what i am i'm just distraught sad whatever you want to say that's what i am but yeah I, uh, as i said i'm done with this team yeah i agree man uh i mean i think most of us were rooting for a Mexican nationalized coach, and if not, then the next best thing, which is so many candidates. But yeah, it's kind of this kind of came out of left field because I don't know, it's weird. Um, he is a very decorative coach, but I mean, come on, out of the people that this job was linked to, I think there could have been a lot better candidates. And 
as you said, there's a lot more uh, problems that are underneath the surface, and we're definitely going to get into them a bit now. But, yeah, overall disappointed. I mean, bro, I don't get it. I mean, the Mexico national team, I mean, I'll still keep an eye on them, see how they do, see how they how they fuck shit up and just break our hearts time and time again. But I just don't get why another Argentine coach. Yeah. No disrespect to Argentina or anything like that, but why? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Christian. I would, I would have loved to seen them. You know, a Mexican coach up there, just because it can really—I don't know—different, different views, different cultures, um, and we need the you know, we're, we need Mexican culture up in here uh, to really help out uh, this this Mexican national side. So, a bit surprised there, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, both of y'all said it. You know, a Mexican coach would have been preferred. But if we're being honest, there's not really any out there. I mean, there's Jimmy Lozano, but in my opinion, he's still too young. He's got more experience. And then the other one would have been Miguel Herrera or maybe Nacho Ambriz. Nacho Ambriz was like a long shot, though, so I won't talk about him. But Miguel Herrera, in my opinion, his style is outdated. And the only thing he had going for him, really, was that he was Mexican, in my opinion, and that he was... um. As I say, bootlicker, you know, he did whatever the people from above told him to do. That like, You call up this player, he'll do it, no questions asked. You know, bootlicker, he'll do whatever they ask of him. But, yeah, as you said, Argentine again, especially after what happened with Tata, I was surprised. And you guys mentioned it too, those better candidates, in my opinion. Almada would have been the best coach for us footballing-wise. You know, he would have uh, gave youngsters a chance. Been, uh, we would have been playing some nice offensive football. But I think... For me, I think I slightly prefer Bielsa, not necessarily because of how he plays, but because he um, he would have restructured the whole the whole um, federation. You know, he wouldn't have took an OBS. He would have like like restructured pe- like re- just restructured restructured it completely. You know, these people that are up top making decisions, he would have been like, "You guys are out. I don't want you here." He would have just like actually made it like a good federation, like how every fe- other federation is ran. I think. I think I don't want to like, you know, exaggerate, but I think he could have potentially made us a powerhouse, you know, with the structure he would have implemented, you know, he would have given like players access to Europe and all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, Diego Coca, he just, you know, we heard like it was Almada and Herrera and then Almada Bielsa and then it was just all these coaches. And then this guy, Diego Coca came out of left field within like, I think the last two days of the when they were before they announced who they were going to hire and he just got the job somehow. I mean, I know I think I'll explain how in a bit, but yeah, I mean, this guy, I really don't have any faith in him. You know, the agenda starts today. Coca out. It starts from today, you know, but um, yeah, this guy has like a 50% win rate in throughout his whole career. It's like 48.9 around little 50, but um, you know, at last his two championships, especially after he was announced were, um, come under heavy questions because of very questionable refereeing throughout the whole two times they want it. And then people pointed out, it's like his two key players, I don't know key players, but his two players, two players got injured from his squad after the they won two trophies and he ended up with 13 points, which is just pathetic. And then, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know what they were thinking, you know? <laughs> it's just, man... 
I mean, you guys got anything else to say? Otherwise, I can keep going for days, man. Oh, uh, man, you go. I got, <laughs> I'm not really... Uh, the only other things I want to add are, like, the changes supposedly coming to the Mexican League and Federation, but I'm sure that's what you want to talk about, so go for it. No, so, uh, Okoka, supposedly, from this journalist I heard, he, he called it back since October. He said, he said um, they're, they're planning for Coca to take over coach, and I'm pretty sure all don't know who these people are, but Grupo Ortlegi are the people that own... Um, Santos and Atlas, and they are part of the the what's called the selection committee. So if people don't know, it's like I think it's six clubs get voted in and practically decide what goes on in the federation. And six clubs I think were Querétaro, Tijuana, Chivas, America. Uh, I think Santos, um, Tijuana. I, I don't know if I said Tijuana, but the, the, it was just those were the main ones and. Practically, you know, it's Group Ortlegi. They just put whoever they had in charge, whoever they wanted in charge. They put their guy uh, in charge of, um, what's it called? Their guy is, like, practically the technical director. He, and then there's Jaime Ordiales, who's this other guy in power. And, yeah, it's practically, they, they just put all their people in to control whatever goes on in La Selección now, which sucks, and which is essentially how he got into power, you know, because he wasn't considered until the last two days, and then, he he just got in, um, but dude, yeah, this guy. Uh, I have so much to say that I'm lo- I'm just thinking so fast. I'm losing my train of thought. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you can talk about the Liga Mekis changes because I just my brain is functioning at a speed I can't keep up at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I feel like avid listeners in this podcast will know how much uh, polit- politics is involved for the Mexican Federation, the league in general. So. No need to go in depth there, but yeah, supposedly they're looking to change and restructure a lot of um, a lot of stuff. So it's going to start with the league. I think the number of extranjeros or foreign players is going to decrease, and the number of uh, Mexican players that have to be on the field or or at least on the team is going to increase. So that's good for youth development. Um, they're going to re-implement relegation and um, promotion, which is great for the league. And then the last one, probably the most key one, is. That they're going to make it supposedly easier for young Mexican talent to be exploited to Europe, which is great because we all know how these clubs love to um, tie their best players down to big contracts and really not negotiate with European teams. So hopefully this changes that and hopefully we see a lot more players, not just being sold, but I mean, from a young age, like the under 17s and the academies, they just get experience with other, other big teams in Europe. So hopefully that's the start of that. And Hopefully it leads to, you know, in a few years' time that we have a core group of Mexican youngsters that are playing well in Europe, starting in big teams, similar to the U.S. right now. So I'm really excited for that. And if all this is true, then it's only brighter days ahead. But again, it's all just rumor, speculation, nothing confirmed at the moment. So all we can do is kind of cross our fingers and hope. Yeah, I was just going to mention one you forgot is that they're looking to get rid of the multi-ownership. So as I said, like Atlas... And Santos are owned by the same people, and they're looking to get rid of that by, I think, 2026. So, yeah, I mean, some people are saying that that's like an open invitation for um, foreign um, foreign entities to come invest. But I think you mentioned at the end there is just nothing's confirmed, you know. It's all of this it has to go up to, um, I think it's, it's going to get voted on in May. And I'm not saying it won't pass, but I, I definitely don't think all these things are going to pass. But um, you talked about having a core group of Mexican players, but 
that's the other thing I want to mention about Diego Coca. That guy straight up said, he's like, I don't care um, if they don't sing the anthem. He's like, I want them to feel the shirt, which could be seen as a positive or negative. But um, regardless, it just seems like, and that's not the only thing he said. He said some other things, but it's just made it seem like he's really going to be open to get a lot of, um, how do you pronounce it, naturalized players? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are thinking that we're just going to have like a practically a selection full of foreigners pretty much because he's just opening because I think there's already a couple players that he wants like Julian Quinones he's Colombian Mateos Doria he's Brazilian uh, Julio Furch I think he's I think he's Argentine but yeah so I mean that's how a lot of people interpreted it that it's just him practically opening the doors to naturalized players which you know I don't agree with I don't think is right and then I mean, then the other thing I want to talk about is style of play. I, I don't know if y'all really care about style of play, but this guy is a super defensive coach. He plays, he play, He had Tigres, arguably the strongest squad in Liga Mec. He's playing against San Luis, one of the worst teams in there, and he decided to play with a five at the back, which is just pathetic, you know? One of the best squads against one of the worst, and you decide to play a, a pretty much defensive counterattack, which is the type of coach he is. You know, a lot of people criticize at him strongly for that um because that's how he won with atlas they said practically just defend and then just send balls forward to julian quinones and julio furch and you know hope they would bail them out so that's another thing that's been criticized i don't know if y'all care about style play or if y'all care about winning with la selección but yeah that was another big criticism towards him yeah no definitely i don't want a mexico team that's sitting back we saw we saw that in the World Cup I did not like it at all that's we're not the type of people just sit back and defend you know we we go for it we gotta go for it and that style of play just does not attract my attention you know yeah man I agree I mean I I said it I I think I asked you guys in past before the World Cup I was like would you guys care how we play or if we win so i was like if we like because at that point in time i was like dude we don't have the offensive firepower to play beautiful attacking football but i was like so i was like would you guys if we just like sat back and counter would y'all be okay with that and i think y'all both said no that you guys wanted to see like a balanced squad but yeah i mean i don't know if y'all got anything it is else to say but that was i think i get it all i got it all off my chest <laughs> yeah no i'm good uh i said what i wanted to say and yeah i'm ready to move on you all though yes sir all right so yeah great uh great takeaway y'all and i'm glad we can talk about that on this pod because three of us uh mexicans and mexico federation selection fans so glad to we can talk about that and i'm sure a lot of our listeners appreciate it as well so definitely a subject we'll rekindle in the future especially because we didn't mention it but yeah, there's new proposals to the next Copa America and Copa Oro, which are going to be expanded, uh, supposedly. So if that is the case and Coca is at the helm right now, then it's a lot to look forward for Mexican fans. And it can also be a lot to, <laughs> I guess, not look forward to and grieve, depending on how he has the team going. But what, Nation League kicks off in like a month, two weeks? March, yeah, that's going to be his first. Oh, yeah, another quick thing. They said supposedly this is another stupid thing i don't know why they opponent it but supposedly if he doesn't win nations league and copa de oro he's out so it's Damn. like it's like bro what what project are we gonna start if they were just 
because I don't see us winning both or either, honestly. So it's just like, bro, this guy's going to be out in less than a couple months. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that's enough of Leon Mackey's. Enough for this podcast, at least. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to some Premier football. So we're going to go over to England and start off our chat with the Premier League. And, yeah, I think we all kind of have our own little matches we want to talk about. Before we get to the big one, which involves the title challenges, I quickly want to mention some controversial uh, trends that went on the weekend. Apparently there was a lot of VAR calls that uh, got wrong over in the Premier League this weekend. I think the most obvious one was... Uh, it was the one on Friday. So Chelsea, they played West Ham, first of all. The fact that Chelsea still can't get a win, <laughs> despite the heavy reinforcement in the summer and in the winter, is just mind-boggling. But, I mean, despite all that, they played good. I thought this was their best game yet. Uh, Jao Felix, Mudrik, Enzo Fernandez, there were uh, some bright spots in there. Felix, especially, had a wonderful match uh, uh, in general. He got in behind a lot, uh, was very unfortunate in some offside goals as well. But eventually he did get his first goal. Um, and then... A ex-Chelsea player, Emerson, scores uh, to tie it up. But, no, the one that everyone is talking about is that handball that was on, I think it was Suchek, who basically he was falling. It looked like a goalie, like a goalkeeper save, honestly. But, yeah, just it wasn't called for VAR. It wasn't called back for a penalty, and a lot of fans were upset about that. Did you all get a chance to see that? And if so, what do you all think? I did not see that, but let me look at it right now. Boy, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't see it either, but... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. It's kind of off topic, but it relates to West Ham. I'm just going to make a prediction. I say um, David Moyes is the next Premier League coach to get sacked. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think Paqueta also got injured in this game, which, you know, uh, they they need him now more than ever. Mm-hmm. And if he's out injured for a few weeks, then, yeah, it's not going to look for, good for, for West Ham. But, yeah, there was that controversial call, and I believe there was one more. Oh, the Arsenal one, but yeah, Arsenal. before we get to that one, uh, quickly want to mention uh, Spurs. They got surprised by Leicester, which I had no idea even happened. I like when I saw that result, I had to take a double take and oh, yeah. Leicester four one over Spurs. Man, who expected that? Especially coming off like that, yeah, win against City. That was surprising. You know, I felt bad for uh, the Spurs keeper Fraser Forster, who he never starts for Spurs, but in the only game he started this season, and I think in the past two seasons, he got he conceded four goals. Um, also, Pedro Porro, a new signing from Sporting, started. He got his debut. And I don't know if it was his debut or his, what do they call it when? I think that was his debut. It's your first match started. They call it like a senior debut or something. Oh, senior debut, yeah. Or no, seniors. Full debut. That's what uh, they call it. I, I don't I'm not sure. Anyways, he got his full debut. Um, honestly, he didn't look that impressive. Neither did him or Perisic. They looked really solid offensively, you know, going forward, but defensively that's where they struggle so maybe that can be a sign of things to come but no especially um if you guys haven't seen that goal by mendy i think it was the second one for leicester y'all go look that up just beats a four starters near post upper 90 beautiful goal anyways i think now we can um talk about the other controversial call so arsenal drop points to brentford at home nonetheless which is really disappointing uh, pretty good game. Uh, Trussard, he got his first Arsenal goal. Another, but really, and I said this last week, uh, Arsenal struggle in the aerial duel so much, and this was prevalent again because that goal they conceded was off of a set piece, and they just failed to clear the ball, I think, three or four different times in the air. So that led to the goal. But, yeah, and I think uh, there's a lot of controversy surrounding this one as well. 
Yeah, I mean, interesting to talk about aerial duels. I saw um, a stat that said William Saliba lost all 10 aerial duels versus Brentford, which is that's crazy to think 10 aerial duels and you lose every single one. That's just crazy. But yeah, the the what's called the controversy was the VAR one. I, I saw it live. But I didn't, you know, I didn't see the full VAR replay. I just saw what VAR showed, and they didn't show the whole thing. But apparently, I think it was Norgard came back from the offside positions, and somehow, some way, VAR didn't get that. I, I forget if he's the one that scored the goal, but he interfered, and it should have been a clear offsides. But somehow, you know, VAR did missed it, which is just pathetic. I mean, all three of them are really pathetic, honestly. But it's just like what what are they doing? You know, they're they're supposed to. These are the kind of calls we want them on, and they're just messing it up. You know, it's like, what are they doing? It's like, are they even watching the game? Like, I don't know. It's like what are they, what are they actually doing? Yeah, I saw a video that was roasting them. The refs pretty hard because uh, pretty much a, the the conversation came up about when is it going to get to the point where we use AI to make these calls and we stop relying on human errors because. This was a total human error. I mean, the the referees they drew the line on the wrong person for the offside goal. That's why that's why the goal stood. So that's why everyone was really upset about this. But that whole AI thing that's a conversation for a different day. But yeah, I mean, speaking of Arsenal, me personally, Arteta he started the same exact squad six consecutive times in the Premier League. You guys think it's time for a change? Because I mean, I think three. I think they're on. They haven't won a game in the last three in the Prem. So. Me personally, I think it's time for a change, especially with some signings that came in the winter. So, especially coming up against City midweek, I think now more than ever they gotta they gotta do the rotation. Yeah, I was gonna say you definitely gotta have uh, some sort of rotation, uh, you know, in the squad, because you can start, you know, your best players at all time. But fatigue is a real thing. Uh, we as humans get tired. We want we want to have that level of consistency and that level of uh, fitness. But there does come a point where you know, you do have to take a break and you, and you do have to rotate that squad. Uh, I think it's more important now more than ever for us to, to do that because you saw they were what eight points behind, eight points ahead, almost 12 points ahead at one point. And now they're they, that gap is closed within the last couple of weeks. So I would definitely, ro- you know, recommend rotating the squad. I'm not a professor or anything, but that's just humans for you. You know, you can't be playing the same team c- consistently for long stretches of time. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I the squad has been playing good in my opinion. You know, they haven't really, you know, they missed a couple chances. Maybe it does have to do with fatigue, but yeah, I mean, like everything you have to rotate throughout the whole season, keep everyone fresh. But um, before we, we move on to the next thing, one VAR call we didn't talk about, which was also controversial, was Brighton versus Crystal Palace. I think it's Estupinian had a, a goal called for offside, but the line was drawn on the wrong person when he was actually onside and it should have been on. But yeah, man, that, what is that? Four VAR calls that are messed up this week? That's bro. It's like, it, it looks like they're asking for like the people running VAR. It looks like they're asking to be sacked. But yeah, I just wanted to add that one. But. Yo, especially considering the fact that we had offside technology in the World Cup, and why is it not being used in the Premier? I know City is using it, so there's no excuse for other leagues not to use it. But yeah, hopefully that gets implemented soon. Cause man, <laughs> that's yeah. just that's just human error, bro. Like, it's almost like they someone paid them off. But anyways, um, yeah, 
And then real quick, I did see that. I just saw that handball in West Ham versus Chelsea. It is very similar to the one in the World Cup with Portugal and Uruguay. So there's got to be some consistency in there. Because, yeah, both of them, to me, they weren't a pen because they are falling. But it's very similar to the one in the World Cup. All right. Well, well, because Arsenal dropped points, uh, City, they finally capitalized on it. They beat Austin Villa 3-1, and honestly, pretty convincingly. And um, I don't know, it's kind of a weird lineup. Don't want to get too much into that. But nevertheless, they got the three points, and that sets up a pretty high-stakes game this weekend. Not this weekend, this midweek, which is Wednesday. And I think it's important to mention that Arsenal still have one game in hand over City. So even if um, City wins and they go ahead, I think, by goal difference, Arsenal still has a chance to go ahead by at least one game, at least three points with that game in hand. So it's not completely lost for them, but man, they like you said earlier, although they they let an eight-point gap slip and they, they allowed City to close it. So it's definitely a title race now, and we're coming up at the end of February, which after the winter we know how the rest of the season can play out. So I think it's pretty – I think it's going to be like, like City and Liverpool last season, honestly. Yeah, dude, I mean, it seems like – Arsenal wanted to make this a league for some reason, you know. Uh, City, they lost last week, and then they got lucky City lost. I mean, they got unlucky this week with the VAR goal, but um, with the VAR, I mean, but yeah, man, it just really looks like Arsenal wanted to make this a, a title race, and, you know, yeah, I mean, Man City, you know, winner goes up top, but I, I think Man City's going to win that game, and it's going to get a real good title race. I think I said it before, but the, the past season city has known how to capitalize on these chances, but this city, this, this season, they're not playing as good, but I think they'll win. And then, you know, the real pressure is onto Arsenal, but yeah. And then as we mentioned, I think, I think for me, the season really uh, is, it's kind of cheesy, but it really starts now. You know, your Europe competitions are kicking off now. Teams, have been playing domestically, but now they're going to have to travel for hours, you know. I don't know if they get jet lag because it's like similar time zones, but, you know, it's like they have to travel for hours now. So, for me, this is like when we're the season, I wouldn't say really starts. We're going to start really seeing what teams are made of, you know. We're going to see that depth and all that stuff. I think we're going to start seeing injuries because of all this, you know, getting packed up. You know, Europe starts, and I think this is when we're going to really see who who's who. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. But before we move on, I quickly want to mention, don't sleep on United because they're, as of right now, only two points behind City and I think four, five behind Arsenal. So but they do have two games ahead. That is true. But, man, I don't know. Just don't sleep on United, bro. The way they're playing right now and the squad and the reinforcements they brought in, um, I think they can be a potential third, uh, third horse in this race. So... Definitely don't sleep on them, especially given the fact that they beat Leeds this past weekend. And, man, that squad was heavily rotated, and they still managed to beat beat them 2-0. But, yeah, I would say just look out for United as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll give United their props, you know. The one thing I think Ten Hag has really improved is their mentality. Because even when they went down 2-0 to Leeds, it still looked like they were going to score two goals. It's just like, just that mentality they have, it just looked like, yeah, we're going to get two goals. This ain't nothing, but... I simply don't think they have the depth, especially since I think they're all still they're still in the FA, Carabao, Premier League, and 
your Europa. I don't think they have the depth to compete for all four. So something's gonna fall, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I wouldn't say. I don't know. United still needs a little bit more work to do. Uh, you know, anything can happen at the end of the season. Only time will tell. But I don't think they're there yet. They're getting there, but they're not there yet, for sure. Uh, all right. So we're kind of going to switch it up this week on the 1960 pod. We're actually going to do the Premier League pick now while we're on the topic of the Premier League. So, yeah, there's still one game to be played, I think, in this past match week, which is the game midweek of Arsenal and United, or Arsenal and City, excuse me. But, yeah, we're going to still play the one coming up this weekend. So y'all ready for that? Yeah. All right. So the first one on there. Forest versus Man City. Oh, man. Like you said earlier, Saul, I think City's going to beat Arsenal, and I think they're going to steamroll Forest as well. I'm going to say 3 0. Damn, I'm going to say 4 um, 0. Haaland. Uh, Haaland gets at least two goals, in my opinion. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I think the club with more history is going to win this one. So, Nottingham Forest. Definitely. I'm going to say I'm going to pull upset. I'm um, say uh, one nil draw, one nil win for Forest. Dude, honestly, that would be the most Premier League thing ever. Uh, City beat Arsenal, go ahead of the table, and then they lose immediately to like mid-table team. But <laughs> man, I don't know. Anyways, second game, uh, Brighton versus Fulham. Dang, I th- well, I want to say a draw, but I think our I think Brighton's gonna squeak it out two one. Damn, um, I'm gonna say two two draw. Brighton in form. Brighton going to take this one. I think they're going to barely take it, but 2-1 for Brighton. All right, and then the third of six, again, uh, Wolves versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth just sacked their coach, right? Or no, that was Southampton. Bournemouth sacked their coach a while ago. Yeah, they're, they're definitely getting relegated. I must say 1-0 to Wolves. I must say, oh, no, 2-0 to Bournemouth. Ooh, good shots, good shots. I'm gonna say two little wolves on this one. Um, I think they got they're better organized at the end of the season or towards the end of the season. You know these next three games are real good games, dude. The first one is Newcastle versus Liverpool. Uh, yeah, Liverpool they picked up their first win today in the Merseyside Derby in a long time, so they definitely needed that. But actually, Newcastle they've kind of been struggling too. But it is at St James Park, so I think they're gonna get the win. I must say two one. Damn, I must say uh, one one draw. I think I think Newcastle are gonna take this. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's gonna be a two nil victory for Newcastle. All right, and then the second to last one, United versus Leicester. Dude, Leicester, they're real patchy, man. <laughs> uh, they just beat Spurs four one. I don't think they're gonna beat United at all. I mean, United's a different team than Spurs at the moment. So I'm gonna say United win. Three to one. Yeah, I'm gonna say three one. Damn, I'm gonna say United get a hard fought win of two one. Man, those are good shouts. Uh, Leicester has always been a pretty tough opponent for United, but I'm actually gonna I'm gonna say three nil for United. I think the defense has just been pretty good for United. I mean, what? I think it's only one bit four goals, something like that, in the last 15, 
Prem games, something like that, since the start of the World Cup. So I think they're pretty solid. I think they can keep a clean sheet. All right, and then the last one, Spurs versus West Ham, London Derby. Dang, dude. Yeah, well, Spurs are at home, so I'm going to give them the win. Uh, but, yeah, I think this can be the end for David Moyes if he loses. So I'm going to say 2-0. No, 2-0 no, no, no Spurs. Damn, I'm a, a, I say 3-1 Tottenham, and this is the end for David Moyes. Dude, I don't know, man. I really don't know. But, yeah, I think it's – I, I I'm agree with you guys. I think it's going to be the end of David Moyes on here. Um, Tottenham's probably going to take this. Again, it's going to be a close game, but they're going to take it 2-1. All right, and that's the end of the pick Also the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening, y'all. We're going to – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um. Yeah, we're going to make it more of a point to talk about upcoming fixtures from the leagues that we talk about immediately following that. So uh, that's why we did the pick just now. So we can move on to... And actually, before we move on to that league, there's another good match uh, this weekend in the Premier League. I say good match because, bro, if Chelsea don't beat Southampton, <laughs> I think Potter should be sacked, honestly. <laughs> it actually came out today that he's not going to get sacked, that they... they thinking long term that even if he doesn't qualify for champions then he's not getting sacked that uh, i think they said a close source to todd bowley said they think they have the one of the best coaches in the world so that they're thinking long term so i think we could put all end to all those rumors and that we we kind of started you know and the media did too but we can put an end to them and yeah it, it looks like grand potter's safe for at least this season and maybe next yeah, but still, man, if they, there's no excuse if he can't be a South if he can't beat Southampton, but yeah. I, I guess they're, we'll, they're gonna have that new coach bump after they fire their previous. Oh man, or <laughs> I can't wait. Anyways, let's move on to another league, y'all. Let's go to Serie. A. Um, not a whole lot happened this week, which was pretty entertaining, honestly. But no, I mean, same old story as always. Napoli, they sit, I think, 13 points now ahead of second place. They beat Cremonense three nil. Milan, they finally beat. It. They finally won a game. Uh, it was the first time they won a game in over a month, so that's really good to see for that, for that team. They beat Torino one nil. That's no easy opponent. So shout out Milan, Atalanta and Lazio. Going into this game, I think they were tied on points and they're only separated by goal difference. But because of this win, Atalanta they put three points between them on the table. They won two nil. But there's some other good fixtures like Juve. They beat Fiorentina. I thought Vlahovic would score versus his old squad, but he did not, but yeah, uh, Inter, they drew versus Sampdoria today, which I thought was surprising, and yeah, I think that puts even more distance between Inter and Napoli at the top of the table. 15 points, damn. Yeah, this is, dude, Napoli has only lost one game, that's crazy, but this is Napoli's league to lose at this point. I mean, I think you covered it all pretty well, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well, I guess we can move on to... Where do you want to go to next? Uh, I think matches to watch for Serie A. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I think Sassuolo-Napoli on Friday, Inter-Udinense on Saturday, and then Salernitana and Lazio. I mean, um, Salernitana got their goalie back, which means, which kind of put it, I mean, they played today, I think, and Ochoa got benched, but his coach did say, I don't know why we can't rotate our goalies. He's like, Juventus does it all the time, but 
doesn't really give me much hope if I'm being honest. So I think Ochoa is back at the bench. But then there's also uh, Roma Verona. And yeah, I mean, a quick mention of Lecce because um, Umtiti's been playing for them. And apparently he's been really solid. And Lecce um, are thinking about making it a permanent move for him. The only thing that kind of holds them back is the financial part. But yeah, it's nice to hear Umtiti's been doing good. And I think he's put his injuries behind him. But yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, wasn't it funny how I read a stat, Southern Antana, they've conceded less goals with a Choa on the bench <laughs> before he arrived. So not really sure how much he improved that squad. But uh, speaking of Mexicans in City, yeah, that Napoli Cromonense game. Yeah. I saw the highlights for that, bro. Freaking I had no so we don't really praise Chucky for his offensive output, you know, he's selfish, he's uh, not the best finisher. But one thing he does really well is his defensive work rate. That man will backtrack and help out his team defensively as much as he can so shout out to him and he in fact even blocked a, a chance for his teammate Johan Vasquez who was playing left wing back in this game so yeah. um, good to see those two coming up against each other obviously Chucky got the better of him in this occasion but yeah uh, two bright stars for the future for Mexico yeah my opinion Vasquez was lucky he had a he made a red tackle worth a worthy a red, I don't know how you say it, he made a tackle that was worthy of a red on Chucky and he got lucky he didn't get a red, so he got to play the whole game. But yeah, I just found that funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what to what league to now? Uh. So we get Bundesliga done. Bundes, yeah, the Bundesliga. So previously it looked like a five horse race in this league. Now it's pretty much a, I would say it's statistically four, but I th- I think more so three, because Bayern they won, Dortmund they won. And I think Freiburg as well got a victory. So they're still in the title race as well. And Union Berlin. Union Berlin, who was... They were, already, they were pretty hot before the World Cup. And then they just continued that form. They beat Leipzig this past week 2-1, which is very impressive. But yeah, the Bundesliga table still separated by only a few points. Uh, first place Bayern, 43. But third place Dortmund has 40. So only three points separate first through third. And then Freiburg, they're only separated by three points for Dortmund but six from Bayern yeah so it's not insurmountable but I think that Jao Cancelo signing that's paid off really well for Bayern and we talked about or at least I talked about the suspension for Kimmich this past week maybe it'll stunt them but I mean they were able to slide in other players very easily I mean Musiala he can play pretty much anywhere in the midfield Thomas Muller he's kind of doing a bit of an Andres Iniesta, so he's moving a bit deeper as he gets into the latter stages of his career. But, yeah, Bayern, man. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about them later in the Champions League because we'll see if they can really contest on all on all foots. On every front, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, it was I'm trying to find it, but I think Eintracht Frankfurt, they lost 3-0 to Call. Colin Call, I don't know how you pronounce it, but yeah, I think Frankfurt's been solid this season, so seeing him lose that game is kind of surprising. I mean, Leverkusen, I don't know how they were before Xabi Alonso came in, but seems he's doing a good job. Because you know how they usually are with new coaches. They don't usually give them that much of a leash. So I think he's doing good. I mean, he has to be doing good. Supposedly, you know, there's questions over Ancelotti, and supposedly Xabi Alon- they were looking at Xabi Alonso, but... Yeah, so I, I'm guessing he must be doing good. He, I think he won this past weekend, three one. I'm not sure. 
2-1, I think. No, 3-1, yeah, versus Hoffenheim. Oh, 3-1. Nice. Yeah, and then they got their midweek matchup versus Monaco in the Europa League. That should be a good game, bit. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah that will be good. Um, Yeah, similar to United in the Premier League, don't sleep on Dortmund, y'all, because their squad is... Their entire squad is fit now, which is scary because, you know, they got the likes of Royce back. They got the likes of... Um, I think Mukoko went down on injury today. A 33-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Those dude, uh, of his. Giddens, he's 18 years... Supposedly, he's 18 years old. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but uh, he's been scoring uh, off the bench, similar to Mukoko when he first came up on the scene. So hopefully he continues that run to form. Daniel Malin's still in the squad. Sebastian Haller is fully fit. So... Yeah, to Dortmund, they're a pretty good, young, exciting squad. Gio Reyna is starting after scoring after, uh, in a few games consistently. Uh, they got arguably the best midfielder in the world, Bellingham. So, yeah, uh, don't sleep on Dortmund, dude. Uh, when's the, the class? I think the Classic is coming up soon. But I guess uh, we should mention the games coming up this weekend for the Bundesliga. Bayern versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. That'll be a good game. That's always a good game. And hopefully Bayern can drop some points there, especially how they are away from home. Wolfsburg versus RB Leipzig. Frankfurt versus Vitter Bremen. Union Berlin versus Schalke Dardanesk. Uh, oh, is this a dirt? No, it's not. Uh, Dortmund versus Hertha Berlin. Uh, I saw one. Oh, Hoffenheim. They, they've they been pretty steady this season as well. Uh, yeah, I'll retract that thought. Never mind. <laughs> uh, they signed Jonathan Brooks, and I thought he was doing really well there, but I guess not. And they just lost to Leverkusen, so. Dude, this squad is low-key yeah. stacked. Brooks, Delaney, uh, Angelino. Yeah. Cramerich. <laughs> but it must be the coaching. <laughs> yeah, it must be. All right, uh two leagues left. Like I say we got league going out of the way. League uh... It was actually pretty interesting because this past week PSG lost once again, bro, to Monaco. Yeah, they were losing honestly, it was away from home, and because they have their eyes set on Bayern in the Champions League this week, I think they purposely fielded the squad they did. I mean no Mbappe, no Messi, no Ramos. No Hakimi, no um, uh, Mendez. So I think they're just fully focused on the Champions League, as they should be, because Ligong is, I don't want to say all wrapped up, but it's pretty dang close. Um, there's still five points ahead of second point, second place Marseille, which is quite a distance at the moment. But yeah, PSG, as I mentioned, they lost. Marseille, who I mentioned, they are on really good form right now. 2-0 win over on foot, Alexis Sanchez with a brace. I think that's eight goals or might be 10 now, honestly, in the league. But glad to see that he found his position once again as that center forward for Marseille. Um, I believe Lenz, who was PSG's challengers for most of the season, they lost 2-1 to Lyon. But Dude, Lacazette scored that game. He has 14 goals so far for Lyon. So, I mean, question has to be asked. Was Arteta using him wrong the whole time? And then... Speaking of Arsenal players, dude, Fullerin, Balug, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Arsenal Loney, he, 15 goals, top goal scorer in Ligue 1 at the moment. It's like, dude, it seems like Arsenal are going to have to figure something out with him. The guy in Kethia, Jesus, and him coming back on loan, it's like, they, they can't have all three, you know? Especially after the season this guy's having, he's not going to be happily riding the bench. So maybe they get rid of Kethia or... Jesus, who knows, but that's for another time. Yeah. I don't know how we haven't mentioned this on this podcast yet, but I, for- I completely forgot. This season in the league, all four teams get relegated because they're uh, decreasing the size of the league from 20 to 18. So that's going to be insane. Four teams going down. Um, I forgot. I, I, I can't believe we haven't mentioned that all season. But 
Wait, so just four teams, no one's getting promoted then? Or maybe just two teams got promoted? I think just two, yeah. The top two in League Two or League Duh. Anyways, yeah, that's interesting. Um, But upcoming fixtures this weekend that look pretty tasty. Uh, Oh, PSG versus Lille, bro. (laughs) You talk about a bad week for PSG, losing to Monaco, potentially lost to Bayern, and then, I mean, at home to Lille, that's that's a tough game, bro. Lens versus Nantes, that'll be good. Those, I think they're pretty close on the table. Marseille, they travel to Toulouse. Hopefully, they continue their good run of form. But yeah, that's pretty much it. League One is, as most years, is pretty anticlimactic. So, I guess we'll move on to. Wait, before we move on, I just want to mention. You know, it's that time of year again. You know, when those rumors start coming out. Well, not rumors. It's like kind of practically known fact now. A bit. Oh, Neymar. <laughs> it's come out now that. Um, reliable reporter i think he's either i think he's close to psg or like reliable for psg but he came out today and said that the club psg is once again looking to move on from neymar in the summer but as we've always said the problem is his big ass wages they gave him it but more interestingly that same reporter said that messi at this moment is not looking to renew with psg which we mentioned, uh, well, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Gerard Romero had said the same thing. And when he came out and said that, he was clowned for it. People questioned his reliability. And, you know, now a PSG reporter comes out and says it. And everyone all of a sudden is like, wow, Romero was ahead of the curve. And um, I think Romero came out and said today that since uh, Messi, that he, he's leaning towards leaving, but that he's looking at either the Argentine League the mls and that there's a very like very slim chance he said of him possibly returning to barca of course i said it in that one in past before but i'll repeat again you know i'd love to have him back at barca i think everyone would but uh we'll have to see if financial fair play allows it but yeah i mean gotta give credit where it's due to gerard romero you know he was clowned and it looks like he was right all along yeah i thought you were gonna mention that uh neymar's sister's birthday is coming up um, <laughs> so that he's we're gonna seem disappear for a while although he hasn't done that for the past couple of seasons yeah. but yeah they need uh they need msn is that what they call him mbappe and messi and neymar to show up versus bayern they call them m&m don't they m&m m&m oh i'm dude how do i no nah, how, how do i just disrespect ms <laughs> msn like that i'm sorry Luis Suarez. damn all that for one job chris <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> you fucked up either way. <laughs> All right. Uh, La Liga then. I mean, you said you saw one game. That's more than I saw. So you want to take it away? Yeah, as always. I think I've missed one game in the past couple of years. One Barca game. And that was because I, I, I just couldn't watch it. There was no way. But yeah, Barca, they played Villarreal at their stadium, which Real Madrid just lost a couple of weeks ago. And they scrape out yet another... 1-0 victory. I think that's either 6 or 7 out of their last 9 wins have been uh, 1-0 wins, which is just crazy to think about. I mean, we t- we would have said this years ago. We, we would have been like, no, that's just not Barca. You know, Barca's known for their offensive powerness and usually outscoring their opponent. You know, they're not known for the defensive work they bit. I mean, that's 16 clean sheets for Ter Stegen and La Liga. and Only one goal conceded, right? No, 7 goals conceded. But oh, one at home, I think. Yeah, only one. Uh, one at home by open play. No, he hasn't conceded. Yeah, one at home, which I think was the penalty by Espanol, but he has not conceded any open play goals, which is 
just speaks to the work they're doing. And I mean, dude, we got to, I don't, you didn't watch it, but Araujo, dude, I mean, after this game, those shouts from not just La Liga, um, La Liga fans, but from some Prem fans were like, is he uh, the best center back in the world at the moment? And I think the consensus was that he's at the very least top five, top three center back in the world because just uh he put in a master class dude i think shavi i forgot the word he used it but he said he was practically a corrector he said you know it's like he's just always there to bail them out he's just right positioning to make that last ditch tackle everything and yeah dude just uh i mean they all did really good but just that alcohol just some of the those last ditch tackles he made to save a goal or two i mean just amazing but yeah another scrapey one nil win and i mean we, we could have put it away earlier, but, you know, Lewandowski just, I don't know, bad form or just hasn't got it since he was suspended three games, you know, just getting back into things. But, yeah, Lewandowski finishes some of the chances he had early in the game. This game's like 2-3-0 by halftime easily. So, yeah, I mean, do they just, I don't know, I can't praise this team's defensive work enough, but, yeah, I mean, that's the the game I saw. But, yeah, Barca, once again, I uh, just another defensive masterclass, in my opinion. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago after the melee's injury, but I was right. Gavi, he's playing left wing. <laughs> yeah, and that's three games in a row now. I mean, I agree. I, I I agree with you what you said the first time we brought it up that we have that much depth in wingers for a reason. We should be playing them there, but it's paying off. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if it's just a placeholder and for when Dembele comes back. But I would like to see other players. Well, I guess Fati. He's not in a good patch of form right now, so. Yeah, I mean, there's been rumors that supposedly, I mean, Shabby put them all down, so I don't even know how I should mention it, but there was rumors early in the week that supposedly his agent and people within his entourage, including his family, had told him to seek an exit, and then Shabby came out and said he's untransferable, and that I think it was directed at him, really. He said uh, there needs to be a lot of patience. He said young players nowadays um, want everything fast. He said, uh, he talk, he's talked about it before. He said Iniesta wasn't a consistent starter till he was 24. And he said, he's like, I was um, I was registered on the B team for three years before I got promoted to the senior team. He's like, so these players need to be patient. But, yeah, there was heavy, there was rumors linking him heavily to United that they had made contact with his entourage. Uh, I don't know. It was reliable sources, so I think it's true, but. Yeah, I mean, I think Xavi said it best. They just need to be patient. I think he's right in saying that these young players nowadays, they want everything. But, yeah, there's supposedly been a lot of clubs contacting his entourage to see his availability. But supposedly he wants to succeed in Barca. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, on the topic of La Liga, uh, I saw this on Twitter. So I thought that was pretty cool. Andres Guardado, bro, what, 35 years old? 36, I think. 30? No, he's not. Yeah, he's 36. Damn, that guy is ancient. Anyways, he scored the winner for Betis, which is oh, pretty yeah. cool. Um, he started the whole game, played the whole 90 minutes. 36, yeah. Damn, dude. Uh, so there was that. Uh, Sevilla, who have been, we all know the form that they were in earlier in the season, but they won 2-0 versus Mallorca, which is nice. Memphis Depay, dude, scores, scores his first winner. goal in the winner for Atletico Madrid versus Celta Vigo, who's a pretty good team right now. So, I mean, maybe that's uh, signs of what's coming for speaking of that game, dude, Atletico Madrid, you want to hear something interesting? Not interesting, I just find it funny, but Stefan Savage, oh, yeah. he's, he got another red card. Three of the last five games he's played, he's gotten a red card. Dude, that's just 
ridiculous. If, I mean, if I'm Simeone, I'm looking to sell him now. I mean, three red cards in the last five games usually carry one game suspension. So that's three. You missed three games. Sometimes, no, I think the one with Ferran was two games. So two, four games, maybe more. But it's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> three red cards in the last five games you play. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, important to mention that Barca's rival, Real Madrid, they're off in the World Cup, the, the Club World Cup this past week, so they didn't play this weekend. I think they're picking up that game midweek, yeah, versus Elche. Last place Elche, we should say, so. Yeah. We should see that lead go down from 11-8. If they lose versus Elche, then I think Ancelotti's job will really be in trouble, because I don't think they've won a game, but, yeah, we just, uh, I guess we gotta congratulate them real quick, um, but, yeah, they won the Club World Cup, so congratulations to them, but. Dude, I, it looked close for a minute. I was watching this a little bit at the break room at work. Yeah. At one point, it was 2-1, but then they just pulled away. But Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it was interesting how the team they faced in the final wasn't from South America, wasn't from CONCACAF. Or, yeah, it's always the South American team, right? Yeah, it's usually yeah. South America, yeah. Except for that one time there was Tigres, which was nice. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I guess we should congratulate them. Um, see if they can duplicate that form in the the league but it's gonna be hard to tell so upcoming fixtures for la liga this weekend they look pretty good real sociedad versus celta vigo that's gonna kick off on saturday uh madrid versus osasuna atletico madrid versus athletic club and rival viacano although you mentioned this last week but yeah they're in pretty good form right now what are they fifth place in the table fourth six six but still yeah, yeah, they're doing really good, man. For I think they recently got promoted, right? Two like, years ago, I think. Two years ago, yeah. So they're doing really good. I mean, being in the being in the top ten, close to the top five. Um, yeah, that's that's great progress. Yeah, I mean, shout out to that coach. Damn, how the hell do you guys think you pronounce this, dude? <laughs> Andoni Iraola, Iraola, or something like that. But yeah, uh, Leeds tried to snatch him yeah. away and. They failed, but yeah, another game you didn't mention, but I think should be mentioned. Mallorca Villarreal, that's gonna be a good game. Super defensive team versus a team that likes to play some nice attacking football. So I think that's a game that needs to be mentioned. But yeah, I mean, we got. I mean, we don't have to mention Barca, but Barca Cadiz. You know, I think there'll be some heavy rotations that game. I mean, Ronald Araujo's out due to accumulation of red cards, and we're playing United midweek, so I think we should see some. Heavy rotations were versus Cadiz, especially because they're battling relegation. So I think we should see some not completely different lineup, but uh, a different lineup. You know, maybe the likes of Pedri and Gavi might be rested. I'm not sure. But who's that ex City player that plays for Cadiz that scored on us last year? Negredo. Negredo. I don't think he's with the club. No. Oh yeah, I think he might be. I think he's a super sub. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, hopefully he doesn't show up. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's pretty much the five leagues wrapped up, and I guess now's a good time to. Damn, what was on the agenda? The the top ten list, and then there was something else. Champions League. Oh, that's right. Should we do Champions League and then top ten? Well, I guess we can do top ten based on the weekend's fixtures already. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, last week we kind of just brought it to you guys. Like this is what well, this is what it is. This is what we talked about before the pod, but now it can be kind of a bit of a debate. So just to recap what it is, uh, 10 places is Feyenoord, 9th is PSG, 8th is Real Madrid, 7 is Newcastle, 6 is Bayern, 
Fifth is Man United. Fourth is City. Third is Barca. Second is Arsenal. First is Napoli. So we can just kind of see who we can move up or down and if there's any potential teams out there that can be put in there. Um, first top three stay the same probably. Oh, I was going to say Barca over Arsenal because they've been in patchy form. But, I mean, I don't know if y'all agree with that. I mean, you know I'm biased. You know I agree with you. But <laughs> well, well, nah. What do you think? Yeah, and I knew it. I don't agree. I mean, they lost versus Everton. And then, I mean, it is unfortunate versus Brentford, the VAR. But, come on. You don't think so? I don't think so. Um, well, I see your point. I see your point. But. I just don't think so. Damn. Yeah, I'd have to agree with all though. So. Damn. All right, that was my um. I, I guess City can stay in fourth as well. They won, so United. I'd probably keep them there. I say we. Uh, no. Do you guys think the Club World Cup constates uh, Real Madrid move up a couple places or one place? No, dude. They were one versus an, and it is. It wasn't a Jesuit team. They should have beat them easily. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they got three score, three goals scored on them, that's a bit worrying to me. But. The one, the other one I would suggest is, oh, this one might be a bit controversial, but Feyenoord over PSG. PSG has just not looked good in my opinion, you know, given they were missing a couple players, but bro, their squad is so good. They should probably be dog walking that league every year, but I don't know if y'all agree with putting Feyenoord ninth and then dropping PSG to 10th. Bro, I said we dropped Newcastle a few places too. They've drawn their last two games. I, I wouldn't put Newcastle beneath PSG or Madrid, in my opinion. So what's the list right now? We got. Let's go. Santi scored this weekend. Yeah, Santi scored the winner. Yeah. Yeah, he did. What's this? What's the list right now? From first. Uh, well, we pretty much settled on first through fifth is the same, right? Which is Napoli, Arsenal, Barca, City, United, and then sixth through tenth is Bayern, Newcastle, Madrid, and PSG. And I suggested Feyenoord over PSG. Don't know if y'all agree. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that because PSG lost this past week. Yeah, I would move Feyenoord up in the ratings for sure. I'd also consider uh, moving Newcastle to eighth and moving Madrid up just one point or one place. I, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I, I think I'd say Bayern. Yeah, might I, be. Would. Mm. I was going to say Bayern over United because it looks like they're getting formed, but I don't know what y'all think. Bayern over United? No, uh, I don't. I feel like sixth. Uh, I guess I guess we'll wait till after this midweek fixtures. But I think next week we'll probably be talking about Bayern moving up. All right, but we're all in green, so putting Bayern order about PSG, right? Yeah. I think yeah. So. All right. Is any? Yeah, I was gonna suggest either Benfica or Porto because um. Oh, Benfica might be a shout. How do we forget about them, bro? Especially considering the fact they lost so many key players and well, they're they're in first place, right? You know what? Fuck PSG, bro. Let's put Benfica. <laughs> what what place is Benfica in first? Let me see. Let me see their stats. Benefica. Ooh, dude. I, I totally forgot about Benefica. I don't know. I did, but I'd agree with Benefica being on the list. If that, yeah. I just don't know if we dropped PSG. Dude, fuck PSG. <laughs> they lost versus Monaco. Then they tied the week before that. You know what I'd say? We move everyone up a spot. Oh, no. That'd be too controversial. I was going to say we completely drop Newcastle. Move everyone up a spot, and then PSG's in 10th, and Benfica in 9th. I'm okay with that, actually putting Newcastle out. <laughs> no, I don't think Newcastle should be out, though. All right, what about Newcastle in 10th, and then um, we just move everyone 10th through 7 up? If anyone should be out, 
I would yeah, I would consider PSG going out Ooh. out of the top ten. Bro, That's what uh, I'm saying, bro. We'll put Benfica tenth and Feyenoord. So, so this is how I actually have it. I'd have if we're taking Newcastle. This is how I'd I'd have it. I'd have Madrid seventh. Then I actually have Benfica eighth, Feyenoord ninth, and uh, PSG tenth. PSG tenth. I'd I'd agree with that. Repeat that one more time. I'd have Madrid seventh. Uh, Benefica eighth, Feyenoord ninth, and then PSG tenth. But I think, I just think we have to have PSG, and that's my opinion. Just we have Newcastle. Um, so it'd be Newcastle tenth, PSG ninth. No, no, no. Newcastle no. would be out for me, and then I'd have Madrid seventh, Benefica eighth, Feyenoord ninth, and PSG tenth. Dude, it's just we forgot. We totally forgot about Benefica, dude. Benefica's been in tremendous form. We can't forget what they did in Champions League too. They beat PSG once, right? Mm. No, they tied both games. But PSG's been yeah. just been in tremendous form, and I mean it might be dr- different because they just lost Enzo, who I think was key. But I think Benefica has to be on that list, and. If I had to drop anyone completely out, it'd be Newcastle, in my opinion. You know what? You convinced me that's true. They have been <laughs> on and off. All right, so no, Newcastle's they... out. Newcastle is out. And then Madrid yeah, move look, up to... Look at that. Their five last games, they've drawn four and only won one. Yeah. I mean, they're still undefeated, but yeah. No, they, they, they've lost one game. Oh, no, you mean last five games? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. All right. So you said Madrid seventh, and then who do we have in eighth? Benfica. Benfica, and then fired on ninth, PSG tenth. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Dude, how did we forget? Dude, I have to apologize for that. How did we forget about Benfica, dude? That's that's just downright disrespectful. We did it, in dude, my opinion. I'd even argue we put PSG out and we put Porto in tenth, but that's an argument for a different day. <laughs> no, I wouldn't agree with that. All right. Uh, yeah, as we mentioned earlier, Champions League and Europa League are back this week, so. We can spend some time on there. But before we do that, y'all want to talk about the Conference League? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shield <laughs> out, brother. Yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess we start off. That right there is the real Super League. I don't know what y'all talking about. Yeah, I guess we we start with Champions League, right? Or Europa League and then go on to the big boys? Uh, Yeah, I, I said we start with Europa. Or right, Europa, bro. I mean... I mean, my dude, my opinion match. I don't know why they're playing it early in the morning, ten forty-five our time. But bro, in my opinion, the two most informed teams. Barca has not lost since October seventh. They're on a, I think it's sixteen game unbeaten streak. They've currently won eleven in a row. But Man United, I think, last sixteen games they haven't lost. I might be wrong on that, but either way, I think it's the two most informed teams in the world. And I think, you know, it's a shame Barca couldn't be in the Champions League. Man, United, we did know that we did not know they were going to be this, but, bro, what a match this is going to be! I think, I think it'll only be surpassed by like one or two Champions League games, in my opinion. But, what a match this is going to be, bro! What a match! And, I, I guess I got to ask you: Are you and Aldo going to end up betting or no? Oh yeah, you want to bet Aldo? Yeah, I'm done. All right, you want to do the same one we did last time where it's like a certain amount of money for each game and then overall? Yeah, what did we do last time? So I say we do 25 on each game and then the overall winner gets another 25. So you can potentially win 75 bucks. So 25 a game and then whoever advances gets 25. Yeah. yeah. So On top right. of what you already won. Yeah. 
Mm. All right, bet, 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 bet. So, like, if I lose the first game, win the other one, and then, like, United goes through. You win 50 bucks. No, you Yeah. I would yeah. just win 25, no? 50. Yeah, 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 25. If if they split the games, but United goes through. I thought it'd be 50. I thought you said an extra 25 for whoever goes through. No, just 25 on top of what you already won. So that'd be 50, wouldn't it? Because... United yeah, but, the I, first game. but I also, oh, but that, I owe oh, twenty five. Yeah. That's confusing, bro. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. for us, right, Aldo? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure, but yeah, yeah, that works for me. All right, virtual handshake. All right, y'all heard it here. <laughs> Two gambling de- degenerates. Dude, I thought I wrote down <laughs> our predictions for for the knockout stages. I guess I didn't. For Europa League, for for everything, even the champions. I think we did. I don't think we made them because I was going to say we should make them, but I remember we talked about them. Yeah, like when they first came out. Damn. Well, I would have to look at my notebook. Yeah, I know. I know we did an episode on it. I got to go back and listen to it. I guess. Damn. So y'all, y'all want to save this, <laughs> and then maybe tomorrow we just finish recording this, or y'all want to just do it now? I say we just we're already here. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Europa League. Um. Leverkusen Monaco mentioned it earlier. That's another good match. Salzburg Roma, that's gonna be a good match. Ajax Union Berlin, that's gonna be a good match. Bro, Sevilla PSV, that's gonna be a real good game. No, I have no belief in Sevilla, so that's why I didn't <laughs> mention it. And yeah, those in my opinion are interesting. I mean Juventus not Juve Nantes, bro. <laughs> that doesn't look appealing. I forgot Juve was in the Europa League. That doesn't look appealing to me, but yeah, I mean that that's it. And then on to the big boys now. Champions League, bro. What a week of football we have here, gentlemen. Uh, start off tomorrow, Valentine's Day. Um, if you do have a Valentine's, um, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> PSG Bayern starts us off. Well, my Valentine's boys. <laughs> football is my Valentine, bro. <laughs> Not only. Y'all uh, bunch of Sims. <laughs> Maria, if you're listening, please text me back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Maria, we don't know who you are, but hit up our boy. Well, me and Aldo don't know you, but um, if you don't hit up Christian, hit up one of them. All right, no, but, but on a serious note, um, starts us off PSG Bayern. What a game that's going to be. Who knows? I think. The coach said it's going to be the game time decision whether Mbappe and Messi plays. They did do participate in the full training session today, but what a game that's going to be. Then we got Milan Tottenham. Looks like a good game, good game because it's two teams in bad form <laughs> about to meet. So, you know, this game is the most unpredictable one. No one knows what's going to really happen. Um, Club Bruges versus Benfica. This one's going to be interesting because they fired their coach, the one that let them out of the knockout stage. This one's going to be interesting. Yeah, but Club Bruge currently in fourth place in their league. But, yeah, as I said, they fired their actual coach. So so that one's going to be interesting. But, yeah, um, pretty, I mean, nah, I think it been a few guys on the back. But then next one, Dortmund-Chelsea. I mean, again, Dortmund's picking them form. Chelsea looks like they don't know what form is. And, yeah, just uh, who knows. I mean, let's hope those... That three hundred million plus window transfer spending window comes in handy. Um, then Tuesday we got Liverpool Real Madrid. Honestly, this game should be switched out with 
Barca versus United in the Europa League. But now nah, joking, uh, Real Madrid's unpredictable in Champions League. Do they like own this this league? It's like, do they if they're gonna pick up form, it's gonna be now. Then they're just gonna go on terrible form. But yeah, two teams similar to Milan Tottenham, just inconsistency for them. So it's gonna be an unpredictable match. Um, Frankfurt Napoli, which I think is gonna be a closer match than people think, but I think. Yeah, it's going to be a good match, too. And then... Brocola Mani versus Osamend. It's going to be yeah, a battle of the century. And Cabrashkelia versus... I don't know who else they have. Gotze. <laughs> Gotze or Daichi Kamara. But, yeah, then City Leipzig. I mean, this, to me, is the most obvious one. You know, City always gets the the draws rigged for them. Bunch of oil money users. But, I mean, that one should be interesting. City has not been... Has not looked the best, but... Who knows? And then another one, Inter Porto, which another good matchup, in my opinion. I think all these matchups are pretty solid, in my opinion. They're all pretty evenly matched out, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's funny because when these first came out, the narrative back then is so much different from now. So, like Bayern, PSG, PSG were flying at the moment, and so was Bayern, so that was unpredictable. Um, Spurs and Milan, Milan were in really good form when this fixture first came out, and now they're on the complete other side. But the ones that I think are very interesting are the ones involving Chelsea and Liverpool because, let's be honest, this is their only shot of qualifying for Europe next season, and that's by directly winning the Champions League because mm-hmm. they're not going to qualify through the league. I mean, they could, but that's a that's a tall task. I think this is honestly an easier route. But with that being said, I think that Liverpool, they just have so much... They just have their backs against the wall. I think, they, they, I think they're think they going to beat Real Madrid for the first time in, like, what, three years? <laughs> and maybe advance to the knockout stage. I think Chelsea Dortmund's a bit different just because Dortmund is on really good form right now, but they're unproven in the Champions League. They have been for a while, so I wouldn't be surprised if Chelsea squeak it through. But, yeah, I think those two are the most interesting because, yeah, desperate times call for desperate measures. You got anything to add, Aldo? Man, it's the weeks like this that makes me so happy to be a football fan. Yeah, agree with you there, but yeah, I mean, my final thought, as I said it before, dude, this is, I think, when we're really going to start to see who's who, and you know, Bayern, I think, since they've been inconsistent, I think this this might lead them to, I think Bayern PSG, whoever makes it further is favorites? No, might lose their league because of how inconsistent they've been in the league, especially PSG. If PSG advances, they're definitely going to focus on Champions League, which right, might make them lose the league. But, yeah, dude, this... Yeah, I'm just repeating myself at this point. But what a great week of football we have ahead of us, boys. I know you guys hate uh, clubs that are owned by, by countries, but, dude, I love parity. And I really want to see one of, like, PSG or City win this. I know you said City, this is, like, the last chance to win it. And this looks like the stars are aligning for Pep. But I don't know, dude. I'm selfish. I want Messi to win, what is it, his fifth... Champions League and um, I, w- I want to lose and return to Barca if I'm being honest and then <laughs> win his last one with Barca and then either head off um, to the Argentine League or MLS or retire but yeah I mean I, I didn't say it was their last chance I just said if they're going to win it this is their year because dude if, if we're being honest at this point there's no favorites no none of the big teams I, t- I spoke about it a week or two ago I said none of the big teams are in good form. They're inconsistent, and if this is in, in this in Man City one of it. This this is their year to win it because it's just a wide open race, and they got Holland and Chris. I think Chris, when he, he was on podcast, he said, "I really don't know how we can get better." 
He's like, we got Holland. He's like, I don't know where we can improve that would drastically take that next step for us. I mean, I, I can think of one, which is goalie. But Pep likes his goalies that are able to play with their feet. But not to get too off topic, but I have seen a lot of complaints about Ederson. <laughs> There's been a lot of people calling for the backup or they got to start. But that's for a different talk another day. Yeah, I think that's all we can say. So what, we good? Y'all ready to sign off? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right, guys. As always, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, like, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on our socials. And stay tuned because next week we're going to wrap up not just the top five leagues and our top ten list, but also champions in Europa League. So can't wait to talk about it then with y'all. And we'll see you on the next one. Adios. Adios.